Are you looking for real, raw, and unfiltered news about what's happening in the greater Philadelphia area? Are you sick of all the vanilla takes about the local issues affecting our community right now? You're in the right place. Tune in to the Philly Face-to-Face Podcast. All right, we are back on the Philly Face-to-Face Podcast, and we've got the most talked-about guy in Pennsylvania real estate on the show right now, and he's laughing. I'm not kidding. I mean, we talked earlier about how many interview requests you've been getting, so I really appreciate you coming on. we got Jesse Storm with BrokersRealty.com. He got one of the few waivers granted for real estate in Pennsylvania. I've seen one other on uh, Governor Wolf's site. So, Jesse, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the topic. Well, uh, you know, I've been in real estate for many, many years. When I retired, I got my real estate license in 2010. (laughs) Um, So uh, it kind of rejuvenated me. I mean, I I had some medical issues, sold some prior businesses and kind of retired and uh, thought, you know what, I've always enjoyed real estate. I I was buying and selling before that on my own without a real estate license. I thought, you know what, I always like interacting with people and helping people. Uh, so I wound up going and getting my real estate license in the end of 2010. And back then, you remember the mortgage crash that happened in 2008. Uh, so 2010, everybody kept telling me, don't expect to eat off of what you, you, you do in real estate for the next couple of years, because it's just not going to happen. And, uh, you know, the reality was, was I did 36 transactions in my first six months in the business. So I, w- I felt pretty comfortable with it. And I, I fairly quickly started a team of agents, um, you know, I, and in Lancaster County, where I originally started, um, I, I started with what was Prudential back then, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I kind of grew from there and uh, I realized real quick that, you know, a lot of the big brokerages were more about the price tag and the money that they were collecting than the individuals and the realtors that were working for them. Um, you know, and Prudential back in Lancaster was a very large company with a lot of agents. And in my opinion, in six months, you were more of a number and not uh, a, a team player, basically. So I had moved over to what was called Select Realty Coldwell Banker and spent quite a few years at Coldwell Banker. I mean, and I don't know if this is the right place to give a shout out to some brokers, but, uh, you know, the guys who ran uh, Coldwell Banker Select Professional back then were some of the best down to earth brokers that one could ever ask for. Uh, And I really felt that I had a, a long term home there. And when they decided to sell out to NRT, I started making some of those little bunny jumps. You know, I, I don't want to be in the big conglomerate. Um, you know, so all, all the uh, successful realtors, where do they go? They, they, they make a stop at Remax. <laughs> so I did Remax for a couple of minutes and realized it just wasn't, it wasn't a good fit for me there. Um, you know, so I, I jumped away from that and, and ultimately found uh, Brokers Realty. Um, uh, and we developed, so Brokers Realty has been in business since 1998, uh, and it's been family owned all that time, uh, you know, and really John and I have a very good relationship from the standpoint that, you know, I, I own my own offices, um, 
and he is my hired broker. Uh, I, I lean on him for questions and he leans on me for questions. I mean, some of the very first things that we did as a small brokerage, because when I came on, there were only a handful of offices uh, with Brokers Realty was started buying things in bulk, like yard signs and things like that, because I was in the wholesale business for many, many years. So I know, you know, you can get the best bang for your buck, uh, you know, buying in large quantities and having large, you know, having your signs printed mass. And we lowered the overhead quite a bit and we're able to gradually expand the company. Now, Brokers Realty isn't a great fit for every agent, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, again, it's it's where I find home to be. Uh, John and I and Betty uh, all work really well together. Uh, and I know that all of the agents that are watching this, a lot of you have found a home, a life home where you're at. And whether that's Keller Williams, whether that is, you know, uh, Equity Pennsylvania, wherever it may be, uh, the big thing is that you're happy and that that company supports you in providing the most, the best service possible to your clients. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, if you don't have a, a broker that's going to stand up behind you and that expects you to stand up behind him or her, it's not going to work long term. So that brings us to what was transpiring at the beginning of COVID. Um, for a lot of you folks out there, you know that uh, a year and a half ago when we were at Triple Play, almost two years ago now, when we were at Triple Play, Betty Pyatt, which is our co other co-owner of the company, uh, went blind in one eye at Triple Play. John and I rushed her. Can you explain to everyone what Triple Play is? Because this might hit some people that aren't realtors. I think it might be relevant here. Uh, Triple Play is a huge convention that brings real estate companies and agents together for a lot of training, hands-on training, um, literally lasts about three days and you are engulfed in training. Um, so like two and a half years ago or two years ago when we were there, a lot of the big things that we spent our time and money looking at and watching were the attorneys talking about the hemp production in Pennsylvania, where the marijuana production was going, what the agents had to look out for, for how, you know, where to put those particular businesses and the sales stores. So we constantly train and learn what is on the cutting edge. So uh, Triple Play just is a great convention to get, get, get a lot of experience, to get a lot of knowledge in a quick format uh, where you're kind of away from the day-to-day -day business of agents and clients and you're kind of engulfed in learning and education. Uh, it's not a cheap venture to go to, but I, I think all agents should take, make the opportunity to get there. Plus, you not only get the training, but you get a ton of exposure to other electronics companies that are out there, like Zoom, for one, uh, you know, was at Triple Play. Uh, a lot of real estate brokerages uh, are at Triple Play to tell other agents what they have to offer, but even banks and lenders, uh, closing companies, title companies. So that way you get to, you get to meet a lot of the faces that you work with on a day-to-day -day basis, um, and you get to see what products and services they have available for you uh, to help your clients with. So when, when we were at Triple Play, Betty went blind in one eye and hasn't been back to full power since. Um, she, she is good, she is great, but she just hasn't been back to 100% since losing her eyesight in one of her eyes. She had a, a stroke while we were down there staying. Um, and then 
we left once triple play was over, um, Robin Pyatt, um, John, Betty, and myself, we all drove down to Florida and, um, drive. <laughs> well, but we stopped. So we, what we did was an all office tour. So okay. we, we stopped at our Pennsylvania offices. We stopped at our Maryland offices. We stopped in our Georgia offices on our way down to Florida. And then I had to stop in and check on some properties uh, in Savannah. Uh, so it, it, it was it was a workcation type of thing. <clears throat> and then, it, you know, so we were in Florida um, for, for two weeks uh, to, well, the total, the total staycation or vacation lasted about two weeks on our, on our road trip down and back. Um, while we were in Florida, it was red tide. So a lot of you guys can say, hey, I know what red tide means. It's, it's a bacteria in the water. It's, it's, it's stuff in the water that can make you really sick if you okay. don't know what red tide is. I don't know what uh, it means, so I'm, I appreciate the explanation. Yeah, so uh, once a year, I guess the undercurrents and undertoes dredge up algae and whatever. I'm, I'm not 100% certain on it, but it makes the water turn red. Um, so they call it red tide. So we were there just at the end of red tide, not thinking of anything. You know, we, we dipped our toes in the water. We went out waist deep in some water because we were told, you know, that wasn't a big deal. When we came back to Pennsylvania, John got sepsis was in the hospital and almost passed away. So my two business partners that I rely on, Betty and John, were basically out of commission. So we were running the business. <laughs> what did you just, do? I mean, that happens. That's, that's a big change for any business owner. So how, how did you pivot from there? What did you do? Um, well, Robin Pyatt jumped in like a champion. Uh, she's always been a big part of the company and running the company day to day. Uh, she had jumped in like a champion. Her and I just we took the bull by the horn. I kind of stepped back from doing sales and transactions, and we focused on running our business to make sure that our agents, um, you know, had our support while our two our two biggest players, office players, were out of commission. Um, you know, so John, it took John several months to uh, recover from that because he was really on the brink of, of death there with with sepsis. <laughs> and uh, so John just started to recover to probably 90% health uh, right before COVID. Uh, but he was scheduled to go in for knee surgery last year. So he figured, and his doctor figured, well, you know, now's, now's as good a time as any to go in and get the knee surgery. You're back to about 90%. It's been almost a year. Let's go in for knee surgery. COVID hits the day before. He goes in for knee surgery. They took him Brutal. in for the elective surgery. He got very sick, wound up spending, instead of spending two nights in the hospital, he spent two and a half weeks of COVID, the first two and a half weeks of COVID in the hospital, then had to go to a rehab. So again, it was Robin and I running, really running the company. And as soon as COVID hit, I was all over calling all of my contacts. So if you look at my phone, I've got almost every house rep and senator there is possible to know in South Central Pennsylvania. Um, and, and a prior business of mine was wholesale. We sold cabinet grade plywood, A1, A2, cherry, um, uh, cherry plywood. So Tom Wolf's business that he owned prior to going into the Capitol was a cabinet shop. Yep. So I had a lot of contacts for Tom Wolf's cabinet. 
I didn't feel comfortable reaching directly out to Tom Wolf. So I reached out to the individuals that he brought from his surrounding life into the office. And I said, hey, what's going on? You guys just announced this waiver at eight o'clock at night. What is going on? We're in real estate. Is there going to be a blanket approval for real estate? And those individuals in, in his cabinet made it very clear to me that Jesse, there will be no blanket approval for real estate. You have to file for the waiver. So that night at about 11 o'clock at night, I got on the website and started filling out everything for this little form that I got. Yeah, and the waiver's dated March 23rd. So I, I think what, what I, I, a lot of people are gonna wanna know, and what I've gathered from, I got turned on this in the PAR Facebook group, and uh, you know, th this has been a big controversial thing. Uh, I mean, I applied for a waiver, didn't get one, so, and that's okay. What, what did the application include? What did you put in the application, and did you get any direction on that to help you get approved? I didn't get any direction on doing the application. I was told, you know, and the same, same thing that everybody else was told through the media, um, that the waivers were available, and I dove onto the website after speaking to the individual saying, hey, is real estate going to get a blanket approval? And when I heard no, again, my business partners are in the hospital and out of commission. Yeah, it's good leadership. I mean, you, know, you got uh, to do that. No, no question about it. So I dove onto the website, jumped on. Very first thing it says is what's the business? Real estate. What type of business? You had to lay out. So I laid out real estate real estate related services, including property management, because our business does residential, commercial, and property management. So I wanted to make sure that if we're approved for a waiver, that it covered all aspects of our business. Very different disciplines, because there's some people that only do commercial, only do property management, only do residential sales. So keep, keep going here. I'm, I'm curious about this because I, I, I've heard that property management got many more approvals than the, the sales side. I mean, that's been documented. So yeah. So what we, what we laid out then was, you know, cause that night when I heard what was going on, I'm sitting in, in one of our offices right now. I immediately called all my uh, guys that work for us and said, look, we want, safety windows put in every place. We want to build a false wall and put safety windows in. And, you know, so I went on to, when I went in to develop our safety plan for it, I stipulated that we were going to have a public lobby area with a safety glass and um, a pass-through tray underneath of the safety glass. So that way the customers could not physically interact back and forth without going through the safety tray. Um, we were going to limit our in-office staff to one to two individuals for our in-office staff, and that we would provide hand sanitizer, gloves, yep. and masks. Um, you know, and being that since we do have a construction arm, I already had a lot of N95 masks set up at that point. Um, and if you notice, when I first filed, let's see if you guys can, without the light. Not sure if you can see the addresses on there. 
But I mean, I'm yeah, there's a couple of them. It says Cole Township. Uh, I mean, I've seen this document before. I've got a copy of it, so we'll put it up for everyone to so, see. Um, so what I did was I filed for what is our world headquarters, which is our Lewisbury office, along with the office that I was setting in the day this was all folding, unfolding. Remember, I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'm currently in Northumberland County, and I've been here since the start of COVID. Um, a lot of my investors do work up here and that's why I was up here and I've just stayed up here ever since, um, you know, and just ran the show from up here. This is a very, one of our smaller offices, very intimate. So I, I've got all of our company phones and I can, you know, but again, I'm computer savvy. So I jumped onto our phone system, forwarded all the calls. So that way we can answer the calls up here. Um, you know, so that way our secretaries weren't in there. Um, we also added, uh, individuals cell phone numbers to our call system so that way when the phone would ring it would ring in this office for all of our office phones and it would ring my cell phone in case i wasn't in here and it would ring several other people's cell phones all at the same time so that way we could still take calls and live answer our phone calls without being in the office without forwarding the calls because we own our own telephone system uh, the grand stream system. I think a lot of brokers really should look into those after this because you can pick up your office phone, unplug it from the internet and take it with you on vacation. So you can physically forward calls to your agents. You can, you, your extensions live, but the same thing would happen though is on your phone. It wants to see my face. Um, I have a grand stream app on my phone down here. And I can open that up on my personal cell phone. I don't know if it's going to clear, but anyway, kind of kind of works like um, uh, what's uh, Ring Central type of thing. Got it. Okay. Where you, but all of our extensions for all of our agents are live on my cell phone, and I can take a call on my cell phone, and I can forward that call to any one of our agents' extensions and it will ring their office phone and their cell phone at the same time. Uh, so again, these are all things that I put into our safety plan. Um, it sounds like you really laid it out where, hey, we're gonna work virtually, we've got a safety window, here's our plan, here's our safe selling procedures, which I'm a big proponent of, we developed the same thing, and that was included in the application is what I'm hearing. Yeah, so our, our safety plan was about two and a half pages long. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, that we put in. It wasn't just a little one-liner. I mean, yeah. really laid it out from start to finish, um, you know, with our offices, securing our offices so clients could actually come into the office and we could conduct business through glass without them being physically in contact with any of our agents, um, with our pass-through trays. And I mean, we've been doing settlements like that too, through, through the, the safety glass. So, I mean, and I figure that settlements is part of real estate services. Um, you know, so we've, we've been full bore uh, doing as much as we possibly can. Again, it comes to the, to, to the safety of the customer and how, how safe the customer feels. Because we're not going to put a customer out because they don't feel comfortable. I mean, that, if, you're, if you're doing that as a company, might as well just close your doors right now. I mean, especially with everything going on. So I, I love that. So you filled out the application put in the safety plan. What was the turn time from when the application got submitted to when you actually got the waiver? So we put, I, I put the application in about 11 o'clock uh, at night, not the next day, but 1 a.m. the following day in the morning, my phone beeps when anything comes through. Um, and so one, one, one 30 in the morning, 
my phone went off and I had it set to, so that way if an email came through from the government, uh, anything that, that ended with .gov, my phone would yeah. almost ring three times. Well, it woke me up at, at one something in the morning, ringing three times because an email came in that was from .gov, rolled over, picked up the phone, flipped it open, and basically this in an email version, and then the last line saying, expect the actual signed approval within six to 12 weeks. Well, obviously like, it came a lot sooner than that. So. <laughs> I was like, okay, six to 12 weeks for the actual approval. And it was, it was about three days, three to four days later that it never came through the mail. They actually emailed you this then. Got it, okay. Out. Um, so, I mean, it, so it wasn't, it wasn't difficult in my opinion. I, I mean, but I've run businesses all my life. I've done safety plans all of my life. I've negotiated health insurance for 194 employees. You know, I mean, so I'm looking at this kind of stuff and, and it, it really was generic. Uh, to me, I, I felt very comfortable doing it. Now, the average realtor may not. But as soon as we got our approval, the email approval, I started going out on Facebook and blasting out to everybody on Facebook on par, Central Pennsylvania Facebook's page saying, hey, you guys can get waivers. They're there. We're getting one. We were approved. I put out our entire safety plan to everybody. I copied the email originally that said we were getting the safety plan and put out because my goal at that point then was to help as many brokers and agents get a waiver as possible. And the crazy what kind of reaction did you get from PAR? What kind of reaction did you get from PAR, the Pennsylvania Association of Realtors? Because we got some mixed messaging from them. I mean, that, that's been pretty clear. <laughs> uh, I, the, within, within 12 hours, I was attacked by probably 150 realtors uh, because I was putting our clients at risk. I was going to kill people. I was going to infect people with COVID. And my response was, it, it's that's not our goal. Our goal is to be able to finish business, to help clients that need the help through this time period. And we, we reached out to PAR and PAR's response was, well, let's talk to you. How did you do it? So I sent them an email with everything that we did for our safety procedure, sent them a copy of the waiver, sent them, um, you know, what we filled in for real estate, real estate related services, including property management. And um, I guess his name is Mike McPhee, uh, called me. We had a conversation on the phone, walked him through what I did. And the very, I want to say two and a half, three days later, we had a owner's manager's meeting, uh, owner broker manager meeting uh, on Zoom with PAR. And basically all they said was it was a fluke. I had yeah, I mean, I, I've seen this before. That's why I'm asking. And it was, um, I think you're talking about Mike McGee, the CEO. Um, so they, they called it a fluke. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, the reason I'm asking all this is because I'm, you know, I'm an active member of PAR. We got connected through an agent that works with you. And we had kind of, she had posted the waiver and I, I had seen it. And we didn't get any sort of direction from them. They didn't tell anyone to file waivers until like the day before. Um, I had got it myself and did something similar. Now, it, it, like whoever gets approved gets approved. I'm not worried about that. Uh, so what's your view of the guidance there? Because we're the only state right now where this is happening. 
you got a waiver, which I'm happy for you. More, more than you know, I'm happy to see anyone doing business right now. Uh, so what, what's your take on that, knowing how you got through the process pretty quickly in 48 hours from submission, and there's other people that, and, and that, that aren't, and you're right, half the agents don't even want to go out and do business anyway. They're more concerned about collecting unemployment and how that's working, which is fine. They've got to be safe, but we've got clients we got to serve. That's where I'm coming from, and that's where you're coming from too, Jesse. Yeah, well, and it's not about just having clients to serve. It's having clients that are in necessary need of service. 100%. They got so, mortgage payments. They got to sell their house. They're moving no matter what. They've got nowhere to go. I mean, the need is there, very basic for some people. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, my personal belief from this, the beginning of this was real estate is a necessity. Shelter is a necessity. If it wasn't a necessity, why would Governor Wolf and I even hate saying governor anymore, but I, I have another name that I call him. Starts with a D, but it's not the uh, bad word. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if, if shelter wasn't a necessity, why would Tom Wolf suspend foreclosures and evictions during this time if shelter was not a necessity item? So he get said it in his press conference. He said it was a necessity in his press conference last Thursday. Those words came out of his mouth. So you're absolutely right. So if we jump back, uh, Mr. McGee, um, you know, first had said on the first manager broker agent meeting, our manager broker owner meeting from PAR, that it was a fluke. The following week, we had our follow-up meeting on there. And that was the day that the waivers were closing. So at two o'clock at the end of that meeting, they said, you know, everyone should file for a waiver. What can it hurt? So there were four pages of broker owner managers on that live zone meeting at that point. And with that being said, there's what, I mean, you, maybe 40 people on a page times four pages that's they're the only people that heard them say file for a waiver that's stupid especially when i told them back when we got the waiver that i spoke with the governor's office and his cabinet and they made it very clear that they wanted every broker to develop their own safety plan they weren't going to give a blanket approval. They wanted the owners of the businesses to create a safety plan and submit, and they would review the safety plan. And if they felt that it was sufficient enough for operation, that they would approve them for a waiver. Told, I told them that at the very beginning when we didn't even have the form yet, we only yeah. had the email. And, you know, so it, it hurts me to think that PAR as our leadership was so focused on something they were told multiple times, not only from myself, but from representative, our Senator Scott Martin, uh, from, from Senator Almond, from um, Rep. Kathy McPhee. Th those are the three that I know told them because I've, I've, I've got very good relationships with them and spoke with them that they told PAR there would not be a blanket approval. They would try as hard as they could, but it did not look like there was going to be a blanket approval. Well, and they were right. I mean, they were right. I mean, we're sitting here now, 
we're having the, we're not even having this conversation. That's not the case. So, you know, so you gave the information up front. PAR didn't disseminate it appropriately to the membership, is what I'm hearing you say. Um, and you know, so, and there's been a couple other people that had waivers approved. I know of an agent in uh, or a brokerage in Philadelphia that got one. It was on the governor's list. I didn't go through all the businesses. So you had a plan. You were very clear. It sounds like you were very organized, which a lot of business owners probably would have done had they had the right information. So it sounded like you got some intel that other people didn't because I've spoken to local senators in our marketplace and we're a little, you know, you're in Lancaster. I grew up in Chester County, so we're not that far. I mean, it's, you know, and then I, I live in um, on, on the main line right now that a senator uh, told me specifically in an email, I was told no real estate waivers were granted. And we're hearing all this talk about transparency. I sent him a copy of your waiver because he's, he's involved in this House Bill 2412 now to make real estate essential. So what do you think about the transparency of the administration right now? You've been on the front lines here. I mean, this, this has been really frustrating for a lot of people. And like I said, there's consumers that need to buy and sell real estate right now. And we're the only state that's not able to have these sort of activities happen. Well, this type of stuff is normal. And, you know, so in a prior life, I spent a year and a half of my life um, lobbying Harrisburg for children's rights legislation to be changed and rewrite the custody laws in Pennsylvania. Back, back then, I was told that the legislation hadn't been rewritten since 1977. Many people before you tried to do it and it will never happen. And I had it done in a year and a half. Uh, it's about the game with Harrisburg. So we actually, back then, we actually wrote two pieces of legislation, one that the Domestic Violence Coalition and, and everybody jumped on board with, one that the Father's Rights Organization jumped on board with, and until we got them to the hearing, I had them all convinced that instead of just doing a simple rewrite, a simple line change, to do the full rewrite, which gave us grandparents' rights and a bunch of other things in the custody legislation. So I learned years ago that Harrisburg is a game. You've got to throw multiple things at them because this way if they don't like this and they don't want to grab onto this they might grab this over here because you know they don't think that you're going to want to deal with that so they turn you down over here and figure you're going to walk away from it over there and so but if you if you just if, if these two items are basically the same thing just rewritten in a different language or a different way so with this being said, I file waivers for all 14 of our real estate offices. This waiver was approved for our corporate office, which gave us blanket rights for all of our offices. Mm -hmm. Because in real estate, your corporate office is your main office. Yeah. Where the broker, your the license broker. Hang. Yep. Yes. All of our sub offices are just satellite offices. You know, agents use them. It's the same broker that runs them. Um, but they're just satellite offices, which in my opinion, if you look at the real estate law, if your corporate office has the waiver, you're Kerblanche across your entire footprint. So totally agree with you there. Totally agree. So in Pennsylvania, I filed this being my strongest application. And then I filed 14 other ones. They, <laughs> they, played denied, the game. they denied 13. <laughs> they denied a lot more than 13, just 13 of yours. So. Yeah, well, they denied 13 of our applications. Again, I was up all night doing that. I, I mean, but the one that I wanted and I made my language very strong and very, you know, flamboyant about what we were doing 
was the one to get our corporate office approved. So then the rest, I dummied down. So that way, in my opinion, the way Harrisburg works, well, we can throw this one away. We can throw that one away. Oh, this one here, this, is, this has got everything we want plus more. We'll approve this one, but we're throwing these other ones away. So we got denials on a lot of our satellite offices, but our, our corporate office got approved. So, you know, it's a game in Harrisburg and you got to play that game. And I don't think a lot of, of business owners in the real estate industry know that Harrisburg is really a game and you've got to play the game from the start to the finish. And, you know, you got to keep your cards close to your chest. Don't expose what you're doing and, you know, just run with it. But once you get it, then you got to blow it up all over the place. So everybody files. <clears throat> but in this case, um, you know, the other brokerages just didn't, a lot of them didn't file. A lot of them were sitting on the fence waiting for par, uh, which I think led us astray on this thing. Uh, led a lot of business owners down a slippery slope into a dark, dirty corner that there was no way to come back from because till they finally said, go do it, they said, go do it to a handful of businesses at two o'clock in the afternoon, right before the waiver process was closing. So I think they did yeah, well, all. And, you know, you're telling us how much time you spent on these things, coming up with a safety plan and that sort of stuff. And if people don't have that, it's going to take time to do it. So when you're under the gun, it's like trying to finish that college term paper with an hour left. It's never going to be as good and not have the same results. So what, what do you think about the state stance on this? So, I mean, it sounds like what, what I'm hearing you say is we had to play politics here. I mean, they're very clearly playing the game. So was this the right thing to do for Pennsylvania? The waiver process, the shutdown, there's a lot of questions there. Which one the are you? The real estate industry not having a blanket way to do business in a safe way following CDC standards without having people congregate, because that's what the governor accused the real estate industry of just last week, that people congregate, which I don't, I don't see a lot of congregating and showings, but you know, what, what, let's, let's talk just about our industry here. Yeah, I, I think that, that uh, the, governor had, uh, the governor or somebody in his staff had to have had a very bad experience with a realtor um, because <laughs> this is just not the way the norm is. But what they proved and what I'm going to go after is, you know, we pay a 2% property tax in most of Pennsylvania. I know the Philly market, yeah. you guys pay 4.1. Um, there's some townships where it's like two and a half or three, but it's mostly 2%. I mean, we're, we're mostly the same across the board. So I'm already in the process of drafting legislation, which I did before. So I know how that whole thing goes. But I'm, I'm in the process of drafting legislation that since real estate is not essential, we shouldn't be charging a 2% transfer tax on any, tra any transaction of real estate because this is a housing thing that is non-essential and is not looked at by our governor as essential. So since it, it is shelter and our legislation already says there is no tax on shelter, there hmm. should be no 2% transfer tax. So, and I've got about seven uh, house reps right now that are working with me on the legislation along with a couple of senators that are working with me on some on this legislation to draft. Um, you know, so, so we're not gonna hit it while COVID's still in place, but we're gonna hit it hard as soon as COVID leaves go, because 
you can't stand there as a governor and talk out of both sides of your face. You can't say that real estate and shelter is essential by shutting down evictions and shutting down foreclosures, yet not allowing people that are staying in a hotel because they got released from a women's uh, shelter, a battered woman's shelter, that they got released from our state prison early, no home plan set up, they're kicked out onto the street. Yeah. You know, they need shelter. They need well, they something. Can't even, I mean, it's not even sales. Like, you can't go rent an apartment. We can't do that stuff in person at all. Like, that, I think that's what – this isn't just a sales question here. This is real estate activities in general. So yeah. if you recall, Governor Wolf wanted to uh, raise property taxes and raise transfer tax, and PAR lobbied against it. You're cued in. Do you think that has anything to do with this? I think so. We didn't, we didn't give him what he wanted. So he, he kind of backdoored us in, in, in this whole thing and shut us down. But what this is doing is actually hurting him more than anything, because you got to remember, you know, in, in every County, they rely on a piece of that transfer tax to run their business. The state relies sure, on, yeah. on a large chunk of that money to run their business with all of the people that he, furloughed and put out on unemployment in the real estate industry, you know, the, the government's looking back at Pennsylvania and saying, why are you the sixth highest in fatalities, but you're the highest in unemployment? What's going on? What, you know, what's happening? We're the only state at this point where real estate is shut down. Uh, so in 50 or in 48, 49 other states, there have been either a just a, a, a decision right from the get-go or hearings to show that shelter is a necessity and open real estate back up. There's been multitude multitude of the hearings on that subject mm -hmm. in other states. And in Pennsylvania, our Supreme Court is refusing to hear those cases. So it, it's, it, it's a tough one. I mean, it really comes back to are they really playing politics with people's lives? And that's what it's coming back to. That's how a lot of people feel right now. I mean, there, there's, there's anger out on the streets about, the, about this particular issue. And I mean, housing makes up 15 to 18% of the state domestic products. It's more than energy. We put 23 to 34 people to work every time we sell or, or someone buys or sells a home. So that's why the unemployment's so high. It's because they're not looking at, it's not just the real estate transaction, it's the mortgage, it's the title, the property repairs, all those things that go into it so I think you bring up some really great points here, Jesse. And our safety plan stipulated that the only parties that could come into the house for a showing was those who were on the buyer agency agreement. So if you and your wife were buying a home, the two of you only, not your children, not your grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, those two people who are identified as the decision makers whose name is going to go on that deed, are the only two people allowed in the house per our safety plan. You know, and the way PAR has rewritten um, the safety plan, so shoes, shoe coverings, really? Where Nobody is using shoe coverings across the entire state for anything. Suddenly, realtors are supposed to use shoe coverings by PAR. Come on. Well, I mean, you know, looking back on, I mean, when you're the only state and you know, it's, it's disappointing what, 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 what PAR has done here because we're sitting in this situation 
And it doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon. I mean, we got this House bill in place, even if it passes the Senate, which I, I, it looks like it might. You might know more than I do, but it looks like it's, it's a bipartisan bill. It came out of committee today. Um, and we're doing this on, on Monday, the, the 11th here. It's going to air the next day or two. The governor could sit on that bill for 10 days and not do anything. Um, he could veto it. And it passed the House by 61% and change. So it's not enough to override the veto. So living in Philadelphia, I mean, you're, you're a little more central than I am here. I'm looking at June 4th and I'm thinking, man, I hope that's what, uh, that's when we're able to open up here, at least the Philadelphia region, which is Chester, Delaware, Montgomery, you know, counties as well as the city. So, I mean, do you think it goes that long or will there be something that moves before then? If you look closely at what Wolf has done, so every time he moved a, a line out is when something new happened. So he had extended, um, the foreclosures and evictions up until the point that he released to 23 counties. So he's just extended the foreclosures and evictions till July 10th. So I personally believe he doesn't feel that Philadelphia and those surrounding counties will open up until July 10th. It's an interesting observation. I hope you're wrong here. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying I hope. So. I do too. But unfortunately, if you watch how his decision making has been, every time he moves a number out a week later, then he comes out and releases something or does something. So if you're watching the, the evictions and the foreclosure system that he's been putting in place, every time he extends that date, when it gets to that date, he releases, it's a, a sudden release of something. So he, he re released Northumberland County and the 23 counties with that. And then he postponed that to the following week for a decision on the stay for courts to open. The following week, he opened up 13 more counties, southern, southern Pittsburgh. That extended the court system to be stayed, stayed and closed until July 10th. The evictions now have been extended out to July the 10th. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that he is thinking that the Philadelphia market is going to open until around July 10th. Um, although he's getting a lot of heat with counties like Lancaster County, York County, Dauphin County, Lebanon County, all saying, up yours, bub. We're opening back up. There, there was a lot of that this weekend, yeah. Even yeah. Fox County did the same thing. I mean, kind of those, like, tertiary counties all around, like, the, if you were going to call it, like, the, I mean, like, the greater Philadelphia area. I mean, Lancaster's there, but it's kind of, like, on the edge. So I, I, I hear your point. Yeah, I mean, my, my concern is that, he, that the longer he does this shelter in place, the more harm that it does to our economy. The, the more the small businesses and real estate agents, because every realtor is a business. And that's, and that's what I was saying at the very beginning with waivers. You own your business. 100%, Sally, yeah. Sally, who sits in the, the desk next to you at your office, she owns her business. So she should have filed for a waiver also for her business, setting up her own safety plan along with the brokerage itself because you were allowed to do individual safety plans. Mm -hmm. It was business and individual. Um, so I, I think had, you know, all 35,000 PAR members filed and then the brokerages filed on top of it, they would have been inundated with so many people that 
would more have been approved? Probably. You know, so I, I think that Parr did us dirty there. I, and, I, and I, I, you know, again, Parr, in my opinion, is not doing enough for the, re, the reactivation. You know, Parr today came out and said, well, remember these counties that are moving from um, red to yellow because the county is saying so, you're licensed by the state. So even though your county is saying they're moving to yellow, you're not allowed to work because you're licensed by the state and we're still gonna come down on those issues. Well, and that's the challenge for a lot of agents because the ultimate recourse here isn't a fine, it's taking your license that's issued by the state and then you're really in a lot of trouble, you're, you're out of business. So you know, that, that's the unfortunate part is that that recourse is pretty extreme. And I mean, I, I hear your point very clearly here. I've had the same conversations internally with our team. I've had the same conversations with our broker. Uh, so you bring up a great point that PAR is saying, well, you, it's, it's a statewide thing, even though these counties are yellow. And now with these kind of rogue counties coming into play here, right? And, and I mean, you know, that, that's the way this is going right now. And it, it's, I, I get it. Like, I understand everyone's, you know, every, every situation is different. Even you look at Chester County. Chester County is very rural in some places. It's a little more, you know, a little more built up in others. So it's, you know, it's not, it's not a one size fits all sort of, sort of solution here. It, it isn't. But if you look at what's going on in Pennsylvania, those rogue counties, they're Republican led. They're majority Republican led. Um, I'm not up on Philadelphia, but I mean, maybe you could help with that one. The Philly market, are, are they Republican or Democrat? I, I mean, they haven't had a Republican mayor in, since I've been alive, so we'll just leave it at that. I'm not here to get political. I mean, it's just an observation, yeah. right? So Yeah, I mean, these, uh, are, these are observations that I have. I mean, again, I, I speak, I, I've got probably 35 House reps and 15 to 20 senators that I talk with almost on a weekly basis out of the Capitol. Um, and, and a lot of them, and not all of them are Republican, not all of them are Democrat. And here I'll throw the next big kicker. I'm neither. I'm a registered constitutionalist. <laughs> um, I'm, I, so I, I'm an independent. I, I don't side with one or the other. I vote for the best person, whether they're man, woman, uh, whether they're Republican or Democrat. I, I vote for who I feel is the best person for the job that has the best ideas to move us forwards. The, and again, just like when I said, you know, at the very beginning, how I developed my real estate business and made some moves early on, I, you know, I, I think the same way with our political leaders, you know, who, who's going to do the best job? Um, you know, but I think that there's a lot of politics in what's going on. Um, you know, and the counties that are, a majority Democrat don't seem to be um, up in arms quite as much. I mean, they're, you know, Philly market has a lot of people that are up in arms, but they don't. Probably, seem probably more than you think the longer this is gone. I mean, I, I think there, there's been a transition here or a progression where for two weeks, okay. Another two weeks. Okay. Now we're into two months and we got bumped out another 30 days when we've got adjacent States with more infections being able to at least do real estate activities, New Jersey to be one of them. I mean, it's, I, I think I'm equidistant from Lancaster and New Jersey from where I live. So 
that's that's been the rub here. It's it's the the the, the over overly restriction on real estate specifically, and it's hurting the economy and it's hurting a lot of people individually. I mean, you're talking about these people that don't have homes to move to or double mortgage payments, whatever you want to call it. There's financial harm being done here, and the answer is go collect unemployment or get some state benefits. That doesn't really solve a lot of problems for people. Yeah, and I th I think a lot of the public, including our governor has a false sense of what really happens in real estate. Um, so I think a lot of people believe that real estate has these big offices that have 150 agents in mm -hmm. and they're sitting by the water cooler, shooting the breeze every day. They're going out <laughs> on the road and doing, op they're, they're doing broker opens and um, the agents are all driving three to four to a car, driving to the house and walking through and touring the house uh, once a week with their company meetings. And I'll tell you, that's doesn't happen. That's old news. That's the way it used to happen. And I mean, you know, even with the, the large offices in Lancaster that have 150 agents in them, you're lucky if you see 15 to 20 in the office on a busy day. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I've got a team of 12 agents. I see them when we have our weekly meeting and we have our weekly training. And otherwise, everyone's kind of working on their own schedule. We have some things they got to do every day, but you don't need to be in person to do that anymore. We've got 70 some agents at our firm, same thing. I mean, you're, you're at a bigger company than we are. It's no different and there's a safe way to do this stuff. You have a plan that's documented. We've developed one, you know, masks, booties, whatever. Um, more importantly, what I love you said there is the decision makers are the ones coming in the home. I'm a big believer in that. You don't need to bring the parents and the best friend and all that stuff. That's where this can be done safely. And that's the unfortunate part about this because there is a really safe way to do this. And obviously, Pennsylvania agreed with your plan. So, you know, yeah. why, why not everyone, give everyone else a fair shake and say, hey, here's the restrictions. Follow the brokersrealty.com plan. Well, here's the thing. Um, and this has been a big conversation with House Rep Senators uh, and with Wolf staff that I, that I personally know and spoke with several times. Um, real estate brokers don't do what they used to do. So let's back up 30 years. 30 years ago, the broker was the procuring calls. The broker was in what was the final word on everything. Their thumb was always on the pulse of their company and their real estate and their real estate agents. Today, the brokers are just another adult human being sitting in a building writing a check. They're not what they used to be. They're not the procuring calls. The agents are the procuring calls. So in my opinion, legislation needs to be changed from that standpoint that, you know, being a business owner in real estate, my agents procure more business than I do for them. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you look at the way the industry's changed. The rise of teams has proven that. I mean, the teams to me are the people that are the real players in the industry where they're doing two, three, four, 500 deals a year, some cases a thousand versus the broker who maybe, you know, that, I mean, it's, it, they're there because of law and Pennsylvania is pretty antiquated state with that where you still got to make sure the broker's name's bigger than your name on your business card. And you go to California, you don't know who these people work for because their card to say, hi, I'm so-and-so with this XYZ Realty. So 
yeah, they're, 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 I, I do agree with you. Our laws are pretty antiquated. I think we had to have our fax number on our cards until a couple of years ago. I mean, who uses a fax? I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with here. So that's a really great point. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot with real estate that, that I mean, the misconceptions of, of how real estate's conducted nowadays is just so antiquated from uh, what really happens. Um, you know, age brokers are not generally holding an office meeting anymore. Back in the day, you held an office meeting. It was mandatory. All of yeah. your agents came. You went over the new things. You discussed things. You'd get on the on the chalkboard and you would write out, you know, um, you know, Mary Jane. She has three settlements this month. You know, her goals five. You know, what are you doing that's going to get you to? You're, you're having those one. That's now teams. The totally teams agree. Are doing that now, not the broker. You know, and then and then after your brokerage meeting for an hour, then everybody went out and crawled into a bunch of cars and, and you, you take the broker tour. Yeah, you went out, looked at the new listings that the company took on, um, you know, and, you know, then you would start calling your clients and say, hey, I just looked at 123 East Market Street in Effort of Pennsylvania uh, on our broker tour. You know, it might not be the perfect home for you, but it's got some things in it that you that were on your wish list that, you know, might really work. It's not, it's not done the same anymore. I, I mean, not even close. I own six Matterports. Yep. I want every agent to take the Matterport with them and scan the house on their first physical meeting once the house is ready for showing. Get it scanned. We can pull our photos out of that. We can do everything from that Matterport. We can do virtual walkthroughs, <laughs> host virtual open houses. We can send that to everyone in our company. They can see the house without ever going. Gas ain't 79 cents a gallon anymore. Oh, and, and, and people value their time more too. They don't want to even go look at a house. If they think there's something wrong with it and it's going to be not right for them, they don't, they don't want to waste their time there. I mean, today's consumer wants it easy. They want to hit a button on their phone and buy the house. I mean, we're getting to that point. And I think there's a lot to learn from this sort of pandemic that we're going through because if you can leverage technology appropriately, the showing could be like the last thing to happen, not the first if you're doing it right. You're talking about technology, Matterports, Rico Theta cameras. That's the way the industry's going, and the people that don't do that are going to be the ones that are left behind. And I guarantee you, when we come out of this, we're going to see the number of agents drop by about twenty-five to thirty percent. No question yeah. about it. Well, and just just from two thousand and ten to two thousand and twenty, since I've had a real estate license. Now, again, I I, I did a lot of real estate before that, mm -hmm. but from the time that I had a real estate license, things have changed so drastically in the last ten years. That, you know, when I first got into the business, I'd take a buyer out. And again, and that could be just who I was too, but I, I coach my agents and I coach other agents all the time. You know, back when I first started doing it, I'd fall for that. Well, here's a list of 40 homes that we'd like to see. Okay, let's go. Now it's like. A lot of people did that. Great. Like, drive by them all, come back to me and tell me which five you want to look at. And I got two hours for you. And that's how, and that's how to help your clients too. And that's what a lot of people don't get. Uh, so. That's a great observation. And the past 10 years have been pretty crazy and it's only going to change even faster. I mean, we're just hitting the, like, this is like 2.0 coming out. You look at what companies like Zillow are doing or Open Door. The tech innovation has been accelerated pretty dramatically over the past 18, 24 months. We're, we're getting, it's been a 
jam-packed episode here, man. This has been awesome. And then you came on right away. So you broke down the waivers. You broke down what's going on in Harrisburg. You really said it all. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Call our brokerage office, 888-774-8488. We'll make sure to put that up on the screen here. Jesse, thank you very much. You're like the most wanted person in real estate right now in Pennsylvania. Really appreciate you coming on. And more importantly, thanks for getting that story out there because I think a lot of people need to hear what's happening. And this is a story that needs to be told. So appreciate well, you, brother. Thank you. With, let's leave off with one note. What has NAR done? They got 49 other states, not where we are. <laughs> They're all working. I, I hear you. If you are the National Association of Realtors, and there's only one state that's not practicing real estate, and NAR is sitting in D.C. doing nothing. Yeah. NAR is out in left field, in my opinion. But NAR hasn't done anything. With you, you're in Bright, MLS. Yeah, Bright hasn't done much either. So You don't have to spend money to be a realtor to have access oh, yeah. to Bright. It used I, to be a day where if you weren't a member of a local association, you didn't get access to the MLS. And if you want to be a member of a local association, you had to be a member of PAR, and then you had to be a member of NAR. You don't need any of that anymore. Times have changed so much with an independent uh, MLS service like Bright for $23 more. You, you don't have to be a realtor. What does that get for you? The, the, I think PAR and NAR, in my opinion, over this COVID have, ha, have destroyed the brand realtor in my mind. They've destroyed it. They're not there. They're not fighting for us. Um, you know, there's just nothing going on. And you're not the only person that feels that way. I mean, that sentiment's out there. If you check out like any Facebook group with realtors in there, I mean, this question has come up time and time again. And it's been eight weeks. Everyone's working except Pennsylvania. So I think we can leave it right there. Thanks again, Jesse. Really Thanks, appreciate Bob. you. Thank you so much. I mean, appreciate it.